Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift of your word this morning. God, as we come before you, Lord, we place ourselves before your word. God, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, that you would change us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you give us faith to receive your word, God, knowing, Lord, that you are good and you are faithful, and God, you are transforming us to be more like your son. So, Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you for the the privilege it is to sit before your word. In your name we pray. Amen. I wanted to share just a quick brag on my dad. I know Travis did already. Thanks for doing that, Travis. But um, I remember when I, I I first started working at, at Leap Supply where my dad works, and, and so, many, so many people would say, oh, where do you work? You know, I work at Leap's. Like, oh, you work with your dad. I'm so sorry. Or it, I've, I don't know if I've ever gotten like an affirmation or like, oh, that's, that must be wonderful. It's always this negative, oh, you work with your dad, that must be really hard. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I tried to work with my dad, and we fought the whole time. And, you know, that was that way all the time. And so I remember working, starting working at Leaps. I probably was about 18 at the time, and started working there, minimum wage, in the warehouse. And uh, the first day, I, I rode into work with my dad in, in a Leaps truck. And we're, we're driving down Kennedy Avenue to go to the store. And my dad turned to me and said, son, I want you to know something. As the owner's son, you are going to have everybody watching you. I'm like, that's great. I can't wait to show up to work that day. Everyone's going to be watching me. He said, so I need you to be, you need to be the hardest working person in that building. And sure enough, I get there and people were watching me. However, because I was John's son, I had immediate favor with people. People only had good things to say about him. And because I was his son, it put me in a place of, of a favorable dis- disposition with people. And I thought, it, it's, there's a proverb that says, a good name is more desirable than riches. And I thought, that is what I had. I, I, was, I had the benefit of, of my dad having a good name with people. And so, Dad, thank you for having a good name with people for being true to your word and for loving people the way that you do. I have benefited from that my whole life. So thank you. All right. Last week we talked a little bit about koinonia or koinonia fellowship as we read about in God's word. And koinonia is, is understood to be, it's a Greek word that's, that really embodies or encapsulates this idea of, of partnership. Of, of sharing with one another, of being together, of, of a consideration of other people. It's living by a law of love that says, the actions that I take is going to have an impact and effect on people, and therefore I need to be considerate of the way that what I do, how it will affect you. And so therefore, I'm going to do things in a way that's going to honor and bless the people around me. It's koinonia. And the way that this works out in the church is that Jesus Christ himself has come and died on the cross for our sins. When we trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, that he died on the cross and rose again, we are given new life and we are transformed and given the Holy Spirit 
so that we can be empowered to live in a way that honors and glorifies God with all of our lives. That's what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That's why we sing songs about Jesus, why we celebrate Jesus, why we worship Jesus, why we talk about Jesus all the time, because it is because of his, his life and death and resurrection that we have all the blessings and benefits of who we are. That's what makes us who we are today. That's what brings the church together. And so it's this koinonia is only possible because of Jesus and through Jesus and is sustained because of his ongoing work and his presence in our lives. We sing that song, your presence is what I need, right? It's true. It's God's ongoing presence amongst us that allows us to have this kind of deeper fellowship than just kind of a surface level friendship that frankly most of the world only lives at. But we have this in Jesus Christ, his koinonia fellowship. Now this morning, what we want to talk about is, is some of the values of Mercy Hill Church. And as we talk about values of Mercy Hill Church, what we're not saying is that we're better than other churches, as if somehow we've got this thing figured out. Man, we, listen, we're going to tell you how God has revealed himself, and this is how we do things at Mercy Hill, and it's way better than all the rest of the churches in the world. We've got this thing figured out. We don't. We don't have this thing figured out. And we're not better than other churches. This is just the way that we do things around here. And it's not a matter of, of we're doing things in the righteous way and other churches are doing things unrighteous. We're not saying that either. So please, as we talk about some of the values of Mercy Hill Church this morning, please hear this. We are not saying that we're a better place, or we've got things figured out, or we're closer to God, or that we've got greater revelation or anything like that. Please don't hear that. The churches around us, when they're preaching the gospel, as they're proclaiming God's word, they are our precious and dear brothers and sisters whom we need desperately. This, the, the call of God amongst us is too great for any one church. It requires churches across the globe. All of us are recruited into God's, to God's work of declaring his greatness and glory to the world. So we don't have it all figured out. And there's, there's a ton that we still need to learn, okay? So we're starting at a place of, hey, this is just where we're at, okay? So there's three things we want to look at this morning. First thing is this, that relationships are more important than results. Relationships are more important than results. Number two, we resist the professionalization of ministry. Number three, we have a less formal structure, okay? Now let's turn over to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at a few of these things in regards to what we, we talked about last week, but in regards to the Apostle Paul. And as the Apostle Paul is writing this letter, right, he's not sitting on a beach somewhere enjoying a, a nice cold beverage as he's kind of writing letters off to the church. He's actually in prison. He's writing this letter from prison to a church to encourage them, to strengthen them, to help them. The, the Philippian church was the first church that was, he planted in Europe. So this church is very precious to him. We read this in in verse 19 of chapter 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see 
as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that surely I myself will, will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all that has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So first thing we see is that relationships are more important than results. Or another way to say that is that relationships are more important than gifting. Okay, remember Paul's in jail, and when you're in jail, okay, at least I know this from the TV shows, when you're in jail, you need to have someone on the outside, right, to bring you some stuff. If you need some stuff, you need help, you got to have someone on the outside of the jail to help you with, what you're, with what's going on inside the jail, right? It's no different than Paul's day either. Paul's in prison, and he needs someone on the outside to help him, especially the, the church planter that Paul was. Here was one of the greatest and most prolific church planners the world has ever known. He's got correspondences with churches all over the known world. And he's got all kinds of missionary activity and and people he's corresponding with and working with and trying to encourage and strengthen. And here he is, he's got a guy with him that that the church has sent to him, Epaphroditus, and he says, look, this is my guy. He's going to help me, he's going to take care of me, but he's also going to be one who's going to carry forth some of the things that I've got going on in my heart. Koinonia relationship would allow Paul to send this gentleman back to the church instead of keeping him for himself. See, it's tempting as a pastor, it's tempting when someone comes into the church for the first time to think, man, what can, you know, if they would come here, what we could do, looks like they would be good at this ministry, or maybe they've got some resources they can help share with the church, or the way they can, you know, take care of people. And it's tempting to think about people in terms of what they can do for you, what their gifting is, how it can be used to build your church. It's very tempting to think that way. But I hope as a church, and I hope as a leadership of a church, as we're saying this, that people are precious to God no matter where they are or what church they go to. And it's not about building our own kingdom, or about trying to build our own church. It, it's important in some of the reasons as we talk, as I talk to people about coming to church here at Mercy Hill, and especially if you're coming from another church, you might have gotten some pushback from me. And I've done that because it's important that we work together and we've got a good name in the community, that we're not seen as a church as just trying to gather people for ourselves and build our own kingdom, but that we're helping to encourage the churches right where they're at. Relationships are more important than gifting. I was talking to someone, this is years ago, talking to someone about leading worship. And they were a good worship leader, but the problem was they, at, th- at this point in time, they didn't really have any kind of relationships inside the church. It was more like coming to church, kind of doing their thing, and just kind of taking back off again and not really sticking around to have 
any kind of relationship with people at the church. It was more like the church was a place for them to exercise their ministry, but then from there, just take off. And our desire is not that whatsoever. Our desire is for people to have a place of great relationship, and from that relationship, there's an opportunity for ministry, not the other way around. It's not, hey, I've got a ministry, and now I'm going to exercise that, and hopefully relationships come out of that. It's the other way around. I, I told this person, so look, if Chris Tomlin showed up to church on a Sunday morning, we wouldn't just throw him up on stage. Now, thinking back, I'm like, we probably would, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I'm like, we want there to be a, a sense of relationship and joining of heart together before there's ever a place for you to exercise your ministry to the church because that relationship element is so vital and so important. It's not about us trying to find the best person to throw up on stage because that's what's going to make us look good at all. Gifting, it does, it does matter, though. I say that gifting does matter. I'm never going to be on the stage singing worship songs, okay? I'm just not, ever. It would be terrible. It would be a bad experience for you and a bad experience for me. Gifting does matter, but it does not as matter. It does not matter as much as relationship. Relationship is primary, okay? Secondly, we resist the professionalization of ministry. What Paul doesn't say in his, in his letter to the Philippian church, he doesn't say, look, guys, just hold tight. When I get out of here, then I'm going to be able to show up to you, and then I'm going to be able to get all the ministry done because clearly you need a professional to do the work. He doesn't say that at all. Instead, he says, look, I'm going to send you Epaphroditus right off the bat. Receive him, and then I'm hoping to send Timothy to you next. Receive him as well. Timothy's going to be doing the work, and Epaphroditus will be doing the work, and we're going to have these guys who are probably young guys, inexperienced guys, but they're going to come to you to serve you and bless you and care for you. It's not about Paul saying, hey, guys, look, wait for the big dog to show up, and then all your problems will be cared for. doesn't say that at all. My wife has taken the time to teach our daughter, Adeline, who's 11 years old, to do the laundry, and the strategy for maturity isn't just laziness on the part of the parents, right? Our strategy for training Adeline to be able to, to do some work around the house isn't so that finally we can do less work, right? Because as you know, teaching, a, teaching your children how to do some work around the house usually requires more work on your part, right? There's some cleanup that needs to be done afterwards. There's some things that need to be fixed after they've been broken a couple of times. You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? But it's, it's a part of saying, look, there's, there's something intentional about what we're doing so that we can train our children or the church or whoever we are to grow in maturity. That's our desire is to see the church mature and grow and be strengthened. So therefore, it's not, not a part of, hey, look, what's the least amount I can do to get the job done? Part is we want everyone to join in with the ministry of what God's doing around here. One of the ways the church matures is for everyone doing the work of the ministry, not just people on staff. Now, it's tempting, again, to say this as a church leader, is to try to build the biggest church possible. There's this temptation to think, well, if we just build this massive church, we'd be, we'd be renowned in the area and and people would be coming to us asking questions of how can we grow like you and how can we see this dynamic ministry happen at Mercy Hill like you know, we, see a happen, we want to happen in our church. And, and there, there's, there's a lot of temptation in that. 
And there's some certain strategies that we can employ that we could, we could probably see a, a church that would just grow and, and burst this building out. We'd probably teach more topical messages, how to have best parenting, how to have a best marriage, how to, how to have better finances, how to, how to understand the end times. I mean, we could go on and on and on. We could probably gather a crowd if we did all those things. You know, your top three ways to have a better marriage. That sells. People want, people want to know those things. But instead, we've chosen to go more exegetical in our preaching here, meaning we, we, we dial in on a passage of Scripture, and we walk through that verse by verse, line by line. We spent nine months in the book of 1 Corinthians. We just finished that. Before that, we spent two years in, in the Gospel of Luke. It's a long time to spend in one book of the Bible. It's a long time. A lot of messages on the Gospel of Luke. But we've intentionally chosen to do things that way. The, the hope and the goal is for us that we wrestle with God's word, even some of the parts that are more difficult. It's easy to take a topical message and say, hey, we're just going to talk, talk about the stuff that everyone wants to hear, the easy stuff. It's more difficult to say, hey, we're going to wrestle with some things that, that Jesus is saying that is hard, are hard to swallow or that we don't really fully understand, but we're still going to wrestle with these things. We could also do some things like, there are musicians who will travel from church to church and get paid good money to play on a worship team, and they play at five to ten different churches in a week, make a decent living off that, called hired guns, okay? We could get some hired guns here. We can get more people up on stage. We can pay money, and we can, we can do things, and we can call it excellence. Man, we're going to do some things. We're going to have the best musicians here, which, by the way, we've got some amazing musicians here. But we've, we've asked them, right? We said, look, we want you to come and serve. But these are all musicians who work, usually work a job, got many things going on. And they, in the midst of a busy life, they've chosen to serve the Lord with their time. We appreciate that. We'd also preach probably more prosperity, right? Hey, we, we need, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to put some chairs in here. We're going to get rid of the pews. We're going to do the carpeting. We're going to do, you know, and if you would just plant a seed, if you just plant a seed in that offering plate, God will reward you back 10 times, right? It, it, it's a way in which we could, we could try to somehow get more from people. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We can say things, we're doing things with excellence. We could build a large church. But we've chosen to do other things. To us, that is not what we want to do. So we do things like pew to the pulpit. So we're doing that in July, pew to the pulpit. We have different guys in the church who are going to get up here and preach on a Sunday morning. It's important for us. Give guys an opportunity to share the gospel, share their life stories with us. We hired Corey, and then we fired him today, but we hired Corey (laughs) not just to worship for us, right? We hired Corey not just to worship for us, but so that he would help build and strengthen a, a team of people and a church in worship. We, we do all these things because we are not trying to make ministry only done by either paid staff or the professionals. We don't want that at all. This is a, this is a church where all hands on deck. We want you, we want all of us to come together and say, Lord, here's what we have. Use what little I have. None of us have the whole package. None of us have all the gifts. We need each other, and we need the Lord to help us. 
to do the ministry that he's called us to. The last thing is this, less formal structure. So I don't know if you've noticed that here. There's not a ton of like formal structure at Mercy Hill. I could not pull this one out of Philippians 2, so I, got, I had to go somewhere else, okay? Take some gymnastics to pull that one out of, out of Philippians chapter 2. But I want to just turn real quick back to 1 Corinthians 14. We talked about this a few weeks ago. But 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, we read this. What then, brothers, when you come together, right? When you come together, when you gather together, when you're all, when you've all come together on a Sunday morning at 9.30, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation that all things be done for building up. There is an expectation from the Apostle Paul and from all of us that when we gather together on a Sunday morning, that we would come ready to serve and to bless and to build each other up. That does not mean that we sit back and just let kind of stuff happen. That somehow in the purposes of God, that we would, Lord Jesus, as I come to church this morning, Lord, I want to be a, a minister of your gospel. Lord, that you would use me, that you, your purposes for me, would that I would be used by you to bless and to serve and to strengthen. That doesn't mean just from the front. It means from all over. Whether it's in children's ministry, whether that's in just, just talking with people in the back, whether it's pouring someone a cup of coffee, all those things that God would use us to be a blessing. I was talking to someone a couple weeks ago, and man, they were just, they were confounded by the fact that we've got a microphone that different people in the church can come up and share stuff during the service. I mean, they thought like, how does that, he asked me, how does that work? Can anyone just go up there and grab the mic and start saying stuff? I mean, who, you know, so I explained, like, here's the deal. We value participation on a Sunday morning together as a family. And because of that, we have a mic that's, that's, that's open. Now there's someone here that, that helps to facilitate that helps kind of direct that. And if you come here on a Sunday morning, you feel like you've got a scripture to share with the church or an encouragement or something that God's laid on your heart for the week, please, by all means, please, by all means, come and talk to whoever's leading the meeting. We desire to see that kind of participation on a Sunday morning. That is what we want. So I explained to him how it works and, and he was like, okay, I get that. I get that. It makes sense. But that is something that we value here in, at, at Mercy Hill Church. We want to see that. Please, as you're praying through. And maybe, maybe it's not the right time, and that's okay. And Maybe we'll say, hey, look, you know what? That's a good, valuable contribution, but you know, that's not kind of where we're headed this morning or whatever. That's fine. But please come ready to bring a contribution, whether it's from the front or from the back or in, in the basement or wherever it is. Come ready to share. Now, Less formal structure also, um, there's, there's prayer every month at Yemi and Julia's house. And what I love about the prayer at Yemi and Julia's house, it doesn't necessarily need, it's not this quote-unquote like a Mercy Hill prayer meeting. It's just Yemi and Julia open their home and people praying together. And it doesn't need to have this formal structure. It doesn't need the church to put its blessing upon it. If, there, if you want to open your home and invite people over to pray, please do so. You don't need the church's 
blessing on that. You don't need the church's approval of that. The, the answer is yes. Please do that. If you want to do things like that, please feel free to do that. That's a, that's a tremendous blessing. But lastly, lastly, the people here make all the difference. There are families here who have adopted or in the process of adopting, who have hosted foster children, who have given beyond their means, who serve when they could be doing a million other things, serve at cookouts, serve at showers, serve at children's ministry, serve on the worship team, bring foreign exchange students into their homes, welcome students over for holidays and birthdays and family gatherings that prioritize Jesus above their own comfort and ease and welfare. It's not just values, because everyone's got some values. Well, I believe what makes Mercy Hill different is that there's people here that live out these values. That there's people here that take seriously the call of God on their lives. That begin to live these things out in a way that points back to Jesus Christ and the reality that he is alive and that he is reigning and he is transforming and changing people today. That's what makes Mercy Hill different. It's not just that we have values, that there are people here living these things out every single day. And that's what separates us from the rest of the world. That's what separates us from the rest of the world. That there's a presence of Jesus Christ that has transformed and changed us to be more like his son. Next week, as, we, as I close, next week John's going to come back. This morning we looked at how, how does these values and how does our kingdom perspective of, of what God wants affects us as a church body. Next week we're going to talk about how, how we look outward and how it affects our engagement with the rest of the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you so much that you have transformed us and changed us. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to live forth, God, the things that you've called us to, that we would exalt your name in everything that we do. And God, that you would be glorified in our lives and in this church. That is our desire, for you to be honored in all that we do. In your name we pray, amen.